0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 18, recorded April 6th, 2019. Uh, We will be covering the Awoken of the Reef lore book, and this is going to be part one. I am your host for the evening, or afternoon at this point, because we are actually recording much earlier than normal. Um, I am Elamist. This is
1: Hyven.
2: And this is Mrs. Hyvin.
0: <laughs> Alright, so podcast news. Um the usual. We encourage feedback. Send us stuff at Twitter at Guardians underscore lore. Send us emails at Guardians underscore lore at outlook dot com and leave us a review on either Apple Podcast or Google Play. Uh so Stuff you may have missed in Destiny. This weekend, it's Invitations of the Nine, week four. We're just under halfway done with all of them. And once we get done with them, we'll... Or once they are all done, we will cover them. Next week, there's going to be a big update coming, which I'm excited for, because they're increasing the drop rate for cosmetic... Items from like the dreaming city from the raid, and I can finally get curse breaker. <laughs> Hopefully,
2: right? I was about to say that's what you think,
0: uh, right? It's still gonna take, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you don't six know, you weeks still might get the drops, the crappiest drops ever.
0: It's all about your RNG, man. <laughs> um, but they're also increasing lower drop rates. Um, so if you're hunting. Like Awoken of the Reef or The Dreaming City lore books. Um I know that there's a few others that were mentioned in the the this week at Bungie, but I don't have them off the top of my head and I didn't put them in the show notes, so we're not gonna go into detail like that. Um Ada is also gonna be selling all of the weapon frames from now on. That's gonna be awesome for me at least. 'Cause I still need to actually grind out for perfect rolls. Yeah. i
1: don't know if there's any weapons I specifically want, but it would just be nice to be able to get them if I so desire to go for like another pulse or a hand cannon. Maybe I can get that rampage kill clip hand cannon still.
0: I, I'm thinking like I need a few different hammerheads.
1: I do like the hammerhead. That is true. I could get a, mine's pretty good. I do use that thing a good bit for a a good, because uh, I didn't get the whatever twenty percent, twenty percent, twenty one percent delirium. I haven't played enough Gambit, so delirium. I'm using I'm using a uh,
0: hammerhead. Yeah, well, like twenty one percent delirium is good for ad control. It's yeah, all right. And also, uh, there's going to be something called Arc Week. Um, they were talking about how they're going to be doing updates to Arc subclasses, not the supers themselves but other aspects of those subclass trees. So like Bottom Tree Striker, they're tuning the, uh, the melee duration and, and, or the, the buff that you get from the melees and that kind of stuff. Um, there's also going to be the Thunderlord quest, which is going to be available from April 9th to April 23rd. And we are finally getting the last four catalysts for year one exotics. The Hard Light, the Suros Regime, the Rat King, and the Prospector. I'm looking forward to the Suros and the Rat King.
1: They're
2: awful names.
1: Probably Sur- Actually, Rat Kings sounded like it was... I forget. I mean, we don't know exactly what they are, but I want to say it had something to do with healing when you went invisible, which would be pretty insane. And yeah. Yeah. then Suros is also has to do with healing, which would be pretty awesome. I'm excited about the prospector cuz I always liked the prospector and it's actually kind of powerful now. I want to say they buffed it a while back. It's a pretty cool fun grenade launcher. No, I don't the think prospector they buffed makes it. me think
2: of toy story.
1: The... I think they changed toy story too. The, uh, something about it though a while
0: back. Either way, well, it like, I, don't, nice. I don't think they buffed the prospector itself. I think they buffed the archetype. Yeah, I like, think that's what it was. Grenade, grenade launchers. launchers. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so, moving on. Brief intro to the topic. This is going to be a continuation of the Mara Senna, which we covered in the last four episodes. So if you missed those, go listen to them. And this itself will be covered in four episodes, because it's a long book at 23 entries.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the whole story of like, The Awoken... Is in two books that are both like twenty some entries each, so it's a lot to cover. We're about halfway done after finishing the Marasena.
0: Well, and then this doesn't even actually cover the Dreaming City lore book or anything. So I mean, they Forsaken threw a bunch of stuff with the Awoken at us, and it's awesome. And on that note, I think we're ready to jump in.
1: Sounds good. All right. Revenge 2. This should be the start of the book. Mara calls a caucus of elected representatives in the Sacred Fire, one of the largest hulks in the Reef of Derelicts. The fire was built to support habitat construction on Fort Vesta, where Mara hopes to one day anchor the entire flotilla and set down roots. But the hopeful... Fearful faces before her make Mara afraid that it'll never happen. What if everyone runs off at the first hint of home? Having come so far across worlds and eons to see Earth again, how can she make them hold back now? We've found humanity, she tells them. We've found our ancestors. The cheer of triumph and wonder thrills her to the morrow. Most of these awoken are distributary born. Raised on myths of humanity and the traveler. She has just opened the pages of their storybooks and conjured them to life. What remains of the human species lives in a single segment. She nods to Aldrin, who snaps his fingers for footage. His ship's holographic perspective plunges through fluffy strata of clouds and mist out into clear air. A lucid vista, a perfect instant. The white mountains, the city, in the enormous shattered sphere that hangs above it. Freeze, Aldrin commands. That is the Traveler. As the crowd murmurs and thrills, Mara feels herself bridal. She doesn't like that thread of reverence. She doesn't like the Traveler looming there, almost but not quite completely dormant, like a dying dying heart ripped from its body and thrown into warm water. It ebbs, and flutters if you look at it with the right sensors. If the Traveler had the power to protect anyone, wouldn't it protect more than one huddled settlement? Ascilla, daughter of Scylla, leaps up from the crowd, too small to make it on her own, but buoyed, buoyed by the enthusiastic neighbors. What are we waiting for? She calls. That's everything we came to find. They need us. And that's where we belong. Aldrin and Mara trade glances. Aldrin snaps his fingers and the recording resumes. Something moves in the treetops. Canopy roils and parts. A red-brown aircraft, shaped like a fat, wingless, furiously angry dragonfly, bursts from cover and climbs to intercept. Aldrin's head-cued camera tracks the target and Mara imagines his narrow grin as he waits for the other guy to make a move. The Dragonfly ship drops a brace of little needles, and they erupt into dirty orange flame and come arrowing after Aldrin. Everyone in the caucus gets an earful of his grunts as he whips through a high G turn and climbs away. Those are fallen, Aldrin says. They are a species of interstellar scavengers and subsistent pirates. They've been here for a long time, they've sacked most of the large settlements that survived the original fall of humanity. There may be more fallen than there are humans left on Earth. He lifts his chin to bear the pale scar across his throat. I landed, and went looking for prisoners. I was ready when he pulled two knives on me, but it turned out he had an extra set of arms. Nervous laughter. Worse, Mara adds, beckoning for pains of deep space Passive sensor data. They're all over the solar system. We've detected flotillas of their interstellar ships around Jupiter and Venus. They don't go near Mars, but only because it's under occupation by another alien species. Mercury is... Well, you can go see for yourself. Gaps of horror at the clockwork cinder, all that remains of the legendary garden world. We believe this may be the work of the Vex. Machine species listed in Shipspire's threat index. Asilla, famed historian, puts voice to the plea in the crowd. So they need our help, don't they? We have to go to them. Our ships, our technology. We could make all the difference. No. Mara collapses the projected image between her hands. She stayed up late wrestling with this dilemma, which kept her from wrestling with Sure. It was a choice she had to make alone. We can't reveal our our existence, lest the fallen track us down. We need more information. Our focus must remain on securing this derelict reef, bootstrapping industry and a population, and scouting out the solar system. Mara, with all my respect, all my genuine gratitude for bringing us here, I sighs, Who died and made you queen? Mara says nothing, but she thinks, everyone, Ascilla, all of us died and made me clean.
2: Um, So we kind of pick up where we left off with Marasena. We see that they made it out. They made it to Earth. Um, And they're kind of just doing recon before they go in because they understand that it's been a while. And they have absolutely no idea what the heck is going on down there. Basically Uh not quite at Earth.
1: They're (laughs) at Vesta 4. They're basically in the reef, which is what we know them to occupy now.
2: Like, they're close enough to be, like, figuring out what's going on. Um, And then they kind of do a little bit of a breakdown of um, some of the other species that are there, uh, which is interesting. Um, because as it states, that most of them that are with them are actually distributary-born. So they are all seeing this for the first time, <clears throat> have only heard maybe stories of these species or of Earth. Um, so they're getting more of a first hand look.
1: Yeah. Um, that basically kind of covers it. We see that there's some disagreement. They basically are saying, hey, hey we, we're here. They need help. Let's go help them. For some reason, Mara at this time is trying to convince them that they... Well, not for some reason. It makes good reason. But she's trying to convince them that they need to wait and basically get themselves stationed and put together. Basically, they need a base of operations because not only are there a ton of fallen on Earth, there's fallen all over the place, there's different races on all these other planets. So they're acknowledging... She's acknowledging that they're coming back to basically some bleak circumstances at this point. And even though they're going to help, they got to play there. Uh, play their cards yeah. smart.
2: I mean, they have to protect yeah. themselves because otherwise, if they don't fortify and protect themselves and figure out what they're going into, they're going to be useless and just get wiped out themselves.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, I don't feel like that's a difficult thing to grasp. Like, I don't understand why they didn't like that Mara was saying this. Maybe it was just because it was coming from her. Like, well, they just but she's, she's got logical. the information. Yeah, but I'm just like, it's a pretty logical um thing, well, you I, know. I.
0: I think Acilla is more just going with initial emotional reaction. Yeah. Like, oh, they're in trouble. We need to help. Yeah, and
1: you got to remember that back in the Mara Mara got them all to go by hyping up they were going to save yeah, humanity. And now they're there, and she's telling them, all right, now we got we got to stop. We can't just run yeah. in there and save them. And they're like, well, what are we here for? Aren't we here to save everyone here? We have the they weapons. Said. We have the technology. We have the numbers. And she's like, yes, but the ex- we need to understand the extent. So she's definitely being a good planner. She's being a good queen, even though, as they say, she may have got them there. But at this point, they're not recognizing her as their leader at this moment.
2: I also wanted to touch on, it talks about um, Mars. She yeah. doesn't specify who lives over there. Uh, yeah. Did no, this the lore, on there. Yeah, did this lore book come out pre or post-Red War?
1: Post.
2: Okay. So I mean like we knew when it came out who they were like, talking about. And everything. Oh
1: well that's from Destiny yeah. One. Very very yeah, beginning no, of Destiny One, Destiny. we go to Mars and discover the cabal.
0: We stepped into thought... a war with the cabal on Mars. So let's get to taking out the command one by one.
2: Oh, Red War was the first we... time they
0: ever made it to Earth.
2: Oh, okay, okay, okay. They just had never been to Earth before. Red right. War. Okay. Sorry, recently. I I had that backwards then. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
1: Okay. Yep, and then um, they even explained. I thought it was interesting that they have the Vex on record. Um, you know we have right. We had heard. Well, like, there's, it like, makes mis- sense. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: It it makes sense because the the records were in Shipspire. Ship like, they left Earth right before the collapse happened. So there was all the information from the Ishtar Collective that. You know they were researching the Vex and all that, so it makes sense. Yeah,
1: I don't know how that word fits in the timeline if all of that would have happened, but yeah, I think you're right. Well, because there were reports of Vex coming, and not necessarily being as uh, the Vex were not like the Fallen or the Hive. They were not as straightforwardly like attacking people. But yes, I there there were whispers of Vex as probably the first enemy, if you want to call them that, um, that we see in game. I think like kind of rummaging around. We still don't know where the Vex come from, but it seems they have been around for all times. And yeah, that's true. So I like that yeah, they even acknowledge that they knew a little bit more about the Vex before they knew about anyone.
0: Yeah. And I looked it up. For Vesta is actually an asteroid in the asteroid button. Yeah.
2: He sent that. That was pretty cool.
0: So like they're taking real science and real
1: well, all of the locations they use in game, I love, are real. Right. Really nice. Right.
0: It's not like they make anything up specifically for story or or science fiction. You know.
1: That's pretty cool. Referencing real locations. Science.
0: <laughs> all right,
1: I'm ready to move on. If you guys are. Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, we do have a little uh mention of Mara being mad that she had to wrestle with thoughts so she couldn't be wrestling with sure. I don't know about you, but I don't think they were wrestling.
2: You mean like under the sheets wrestling? I think so. That's what I was Why
0: thinking. are Mommy and Mommy wrestling?
2: <laughs> Why is Mommy on top of Mommy like that?
1: Kind of, yeah, so we see their relationship is going well. And that's important because we'll see <laughs> as the story continues The relationship continues to grow. All right.
2: Okay, so we are on revenge, I think is how we decided that was. Um, three. It's bad, sure, Ito says, confirming what Mara already knows. But nonetheless performing the valuable service of mopping away all the blood and tears and allowing Mara to glimpse the actual shape of the wound that divides her people, not a literal wound. Though she is, right now, tending to Aldrin's scar, tweezing tiny fragments of fallen metal out for analysis. But the rift in her reef, the schism now re-schematic, as if the quake that split the distributary awoken from Mara's people, is now firing off aftershocks. She should have known this would happen. She shouldn't have told them so much about Earth. How bad? sure pokes Aldrin in the hard gut, where a passing line of molten metal left a red burn. He's under anesthesia, but he snarls at her anyway. As of the last caucus, I'd say 30% of the expedition wants to head for Earth. If you ask the 891, though there aren't 891 of them anymore, it's more like 80%. Mara swears and pulls the bloody line of solidified slag from her brother. Unacceptable. We can't lose their skills. Or their genes. The Awoken have yet to adapt to the attrition of this harsh space-born world. And tentative mothers are still in the early stages of designing their babies. It's vital to maintain a diverse gene pool. And the Fallen will vector them back to us. I know, Shur says heavily. That's when I'm going to die. The most horrible thing about the words is that they slap down on Mara's consciousness, like face-up cards, like truth revealed. Unacceptable, she barks, and then both she and Shur begin laughing, and then, at last, Mara shakes her head and growls. You can't know that, sure. No one can know that. I do. I don't know how, but I do. I know it's going to be something I choose to do, and it's going to be incontrovertibly heroic, which is enough for me. But if that's true, Mara proposes, flinching away from the personal conversation they really ought to have, and all its attendant rawness, if you die when fallen attack us, it means I won't stop these people from fleeing to Earth, and the fallen are going to find us, and we're doomed. She is already building intricate models of how the universe might accommodate fate, her doom, and how she might go about destroying those things. Could be, I suppose. Sure pulls a parchment-thin rag of dead flesh off Aldrin's wound. Look, I'm the queen's bodyguard. I always expected I'd die violently. I'm not the queen. Maybe that's your problem. She flicks Aldrin in the chest, leaving a purple bruise fading. What is with you two anyways? You never talk about him. You never seem to think about him at all, but he's dashing himself to pieces for you. How do you live as his favorite and only sister for so many centuries and hardly even smile at him? Secrets, Mara thinks. You've got to have secrets from each other, so there's room for him to fill in the gaps with his own happy illusions. Two ships joined together rigidly will tear each other apart if they try to move, but a loose tether leaves room to maneuver and can be more quickly disengaged if necessary. That makes her think of Shur's prophecy again. She sets the shrapnel down in the dissection. Dissection. Mm. Last week it was you, this week it's me. (laughs)
0: It's all good. It's all good.
2: She sets the shrapnel down in the dissection dish very gently. You won't die. I won't allow it.
0: I think this showcases Mara and Shur's relationship real well. Like, they've grown very attached to each other. Almost to the point that, like, it seems like they're actually in a romantic relationship.
1: Oh, I would I would say so.
2: Yeah, mommy and mommy.
1: Yeah, and as far as... This is the person she... Uh, Mara goes to sure to discuss... Uh, kind of her feelings, which is odd for Mara. But we see how Mara is frustrated... With the fact that there's now... She just thought she had had this new group of people. She got rid of the schism that had been happening... For thousands of years in the tributary. And once again these people are splitting again for those who are listening to Mara and want to stay back and prepare and those who want to go straight to earth. And of course she feels that they'll lose all of those people if they go to earth and they're going to be stuck there with less numbers. Um, so not only will it kind of ultimately ruin their original goal, but she's worried just that, you know, most of these people are going to be foolish and run off and die. Um, and then, of course, we have the stuff that Cher sure claims she's going to die in battle soon. She doesn't know when, but it's going to happen at some point. And, of course, Mara does not like that.
0: Oh, of course not.
1: And we start to see the little... Um,
2: yeah, I mean, if you told flashes. me, like, I'm probably going to die in the next month. I don't know when. Kind of know how. But it's going to happen. Yeah, I'd be like, shut the hell up.
1: Okay, but it's not crazy. They're in. A, she's a bodyguard. It doesn't mean you want to hear
2: that when you love somebody.
1: Yeah, no. I'm just saying it's
2: like of course that pissed her off. And can we talk about the fact that they're having this whole conversation while like fixing up Aldrin and like she's <laughs> doing things to help him yeah, and then sure's like, over there like him flicking him, him and poking him It's weird.
1: Oh uh, that sucks, man. They're rough for Aldrin. And then they acknowledge a little bit too about the fact that uh
0: um that version will do anything. Yeah, tomorrow. and Mara doesn't but really tomorrow. even talk about him
1: or anything. Yeah, and I love her response is just we ha- I have to keep secrets, so that way he fills in all the happy details and basically compares them to two ships, and basically not knowing the truth about each other lets them basically fill in that space and make it's them attached weird. by a flexible cable like instead of stiff and or, rigid.
2: I feel like he's living a very like ignorant life. Compared to the very like realness of like Mara,
0: yeah, yeah, he just well, kind of like, lives life to serve he, her. He like
2: wants him like very like ignorance is bliss.
0: Well, and like I love how sure brings all that up. Like you know, it, how do you live as his favorite and only sister for so many centuries and hardly even smile at him and like yeah. Mara thinks of her answer, but doesn't say anything except you won't die i won't allow it
1: right she doesn't want to She's still well cuz that's what her mom was getting on her about for so long her using her brother and yeah. she's still doing it and doesn't really kind of want to admit straight up what yeah. that she she is right i mean that that covers it we're really just kind of getting into what's going on this is all just kind of set up for well if you know anything about destiny lore which you kind of already know we, this is this is closer to what we, as D1 players, are used to—the fallen in the reef and the whole schism between Earthborn and Reefborn awoken. So, yeah, ready to get into this, man. And I'm ready when you are.
0: All right, I'll be covering Revenge Four. Of all the disasters that might happen in space, riot is the worst. Breaches can be contained, fires can be starved, plague can be quarantined, radiation shielded, heat vented, but a riot has a will of its own. A chaotic ingenuity that corrodes any countermeasure. Mara crawls through compartments choked with vaporized coolant. She keeps low and clutches the breather to her face. All she can think of is Kelda Wadge's. Last message and the data attached. Mara, the pericausal effects are strongest around you. Whatever's happened to us, you are the locus. I cannot overstate how subtle and how important this discovery might be. Mara, when we use radioactive decay as a trigger for simulated bombs, bombs that could harm awoken, the trigger atoms are a thousandfold less likely. To decay near you. People are literally safer when you are around. She has to get into the riot. She has to protect her people. A horrible groan vibrates through the habitat structure. And then, with an apocalyptic shudder, something tears off the reef. A ship. A ship is leaving. Mara has failed. Mara drops onto her belly and pants into the mask. Then, cringing in anticipation of migraine, she activates the augment the jury-rigged machine her Utex produced for exactly this purpose by extracting Mara's ruined distributary implants and reworking them. She's going to fire a command override to shut down that ship's systems. But then she realizes it's a salvaged human vessel, deaf to her commands. She gasps in frustration, sucking down cold bottled air. Sure, I'm here, her radio whispers. Pinned down in the dockmaster's office, I shot a few in the shoulders, and they seem to have gotten the idea. Let them go. If one ships away, there's no sense holding back the rest. Our position is compromised. Understood. Broadcast to everyone. I'm going to allow anyone who wants to leave the reef to go. This is their one and only chance. She rolls onto her back and stares up into the swirling vortices of coolant. Seeing faces. Futures. The lives she has just lost. The lives she might yet lose. She brought her people here to die in the sense that she brought them into mortality. But she never wanted it to happen quickly. They know, your majesty, Shur says. They already know. What? You told us. We heard your voice. All like gratitude in Shur Edo's voice. Mara, I heard you. You spoke to me.
1: All right, so their schism is going into full-on riot. Basically, people fighting, I guess, over what they want to do, and people are trying to get to ships and run away, and there's groups trying to fight them off. We see one of the ship finally makes it that way. Mara has basically Utech Utec in her head that is allowing her to control the ships. However, she can only control, of course, reef ships, realizing this is a human-scalvage ship. Once it's gone, she realizes that it's kind of already too late. There's already... their position hidden in the reef would already have been compromised. And, of course, the, the their unity has also been compromised. So at this point, she basically just tells everyone, if anyone wants to leave, this is your one and only chance. Um, so we see that she wasn't able to, to control this group and keep them all together. Um, but we see, once again, the Awoken breaking into another two groups.
2: Yeah, I like how at the beginning of the card it points out um, basically that riots are the worst. It talks about, you know, all different kinds of disasters that she would be able to contain um, or take care of. But it says that a riot has a will of its own. Um, yeah, it specifically says, I like think it says corrodes any countermeasure. Uh, so I think she kind of knew from the start that this was going to be an uphill battle that she probably wouldn't win.
1: Yeah, because ship problems are easy. Even if it's a problem, you know how to fix it. But there is no fixing riots. People are uh, inherently unreliable in the sense that you really just can't ever be sure of what's going to happen next. So there's just chaos. Um, but yeah, we see that she gave them permission to, to go to Earth, to go help. Um, but she and at least some are still staying back. And then we have this information at the end. She goes to tell them all this, and then Sure claims that basically everyone's already heard that they're hearing like Mara's voice is in their heads.
2: Yeah, what did that? I'm that confused me it's just a hair. Can you go into that a little more?
1: Um, no, no, not really. Just that Mara has some connection to all the Awoken.
0: I think I mean, it might have.
2: Didn't they like, used to have that ability? Like they could no. think up somebody or everyone and.
0: I, I think what may have happened was the UTEC that she was using to control the uh, all the ships broadcast what she was saying. That's
1: kind of what like, I was thinking too. I think this is them discovering how to use the UTech for like neurological areas, and basically this is how like her tech witches or uh, that we later will see came into existence. I think this was an accidental way for them to realize that they could use their mental... Basically, they got, like, they all turned in... They got superpowers, man. They have, like, telepathy and stuff. <laughs> Certain ones, at least.
0: Well, heck, speaking of, of superpowers, I mean, we we saw Kelda Wadges talking about how Mara has paracausal effects around her.
1: Yeah, that I thought that I forgot that. Yeah, that's pretty crazy too. So I don't know if we've ever really how much we've gone over paracausal. I think we thought of, talked about that with guardians, but that's basically the effect. Cause and effect does not work on her. So you know, when I cut myself, I bleed. That's, there's no getting around that. But paracausal is you basically so, can change how things end up.
0: So it, breaking down the word para means beyond, and causal. Means relating to or acting as a cause, so sh- she has effects that are strongest around her that are beyond cause.
1: Yep, so in the same way, guardians repair calls on the fact that they don't die, they can just be raised again, they can defy death. In the same way, it's comparing Mara in some way to being paracausal. So, not that she actually, like, knows this, but it's just interesting that this term is used um, to describe her that for some reason she's just, like, inherently lucky and things that should usually happen don't when Mara's around. So, once again, we see that Mara is special in some way. Absolutely. That's all I had for that one. Uh, Yeah. Anything else?
2: Nope. I'm ready for five.
1: I'm good. Five. All right. So let's see what happens now. We got this this split, and it's going to continue discussing that in Revanche 5. Thus, the Riven Awoken were riven again into Reefborn and Earthborn. Those who left went to score the ruins for, their lost, for lost history and give some succor to their human cousins who still clung to a hostile world. The awoken came onto these humans like Nephilim, armed with lost weapons, forgotten industry, and medicine. They were like omens of hope. They were often taken to be star-born colonists returned to the earth, which were not, after all, so far from the truth. All who looked on them saw that the night sky contained more than lurking doom. They bred true of each other and sometimes hybridized with humans. And in the course of centuries, many forgot the distributary and even the reef. However, there was always in their souls an itch, a vector pointing to a distant place in the asteroid belt, where their queen still dwelt. They've made a difference already, Sheer told Mara, not long after their first awoken made planet fall on Earth. They'll save so many lives with the provision of medicine, pure water, and construction supplies, that even if they died by year's end, they would each yield 10 or 20 humans. I know, Mara said with bitter pride, but the people remember them as saints and paladins and tell no one how many more they might have saved if they had only kept the faith. For she knew the precious value of each awoken life. She knew how many she would have to spend and mourned each soul wasted on a lesser purpose. On the day the fallen struck, Mara was proclaimed queen. It happened swiftly, though after no little debate among the people, for everyone was afraid of a monarch who could speak to their thoughts. Yet they feared more to deny her power and sovereignty, where they had come between worlds in her name. To refuse her would be to refuse their choice. Awoken she told them. For the first time in my life, I hesitated to reach for power, and now one in three of you are gone. I cannot deny what the cosmos has made of me any longer. I am your one and rightful queen. She knew she had been a fool to pretend to be a peer to the others. What was true of her brother was true of all awoken. They needed secrets to marvel at, Secrets that rhymed with the deep enigma of their souls. They could not follow what they fully understood. There would be a formal coronation later, in a place not yet built. Out of respect for that unhappened coronation, Mara did not at first wear a crown, and later she claimed as her diadem the ring of event horizon that surrounds the observable universe. My tech, unes, she said, gathering Keldawaj and the other Utex who'd remained, will be given absolute authority to explore our new power, the Traveler's Relics, and all associated domains. We are no longer in the realm of pure science. We require an order of mysteries and witches to tend to them. Not an hour later, a fallen catch threw off its stealth and began a deceleration burn toward Fort Vesta. The four-armed predators had traced one of the Earthward ships back through all its erratic course changes into the reef. They came in search of the source of these blue apekin. A salvo of coherent matter guns gutted the catch. Blink quick death for the mighty ship. Ancient fury compressing matter into a relativistic pinhead. It was a waste of weapons that couldn't be recharged or reloaded. However, and the Baron in command had already... Scattered his skiffs like camouflaged seeds, the fallen raiders came down all over the reef and cut their way inside. The awoken, young to mortality, terrified of death, fled in fear. Mara Aldrin and Sheer Ido rallied as many as they could. Sheer fought in a power combat shell, but Mara needed to be to be seen vulnerable. Silver-haired and narrow-eyed, hurling herself at the enemy. She fought with pistol and dagger, and her brother moved like a wraith at her flank. Her people were ashamed of their timidity. No more were the fallen, scuttling alien predators. Now they were an indignity, an offense to regal privilege, to be met with a snarl and a rifle shot. The awoken saw their desperation, how the stump-lived dregs stumbled forward, emaciated, and the Vandals cringed from battle as they peeled off wall panels, desperate for salvage to please their captains. Armored, Shurado met the fallen baron in zero gravity combat above his spider tank and shot him dead. One adamant shaft through plate and throat. Ether hissed into vacuum. Shure threw herself upon the spider tank that clung to the sacred fire's hull. Laughing in joy, she cut into the tank's barrel and threw a charge inside, knowing its next vengeful shot would be meant for the sacred fire's main habitat drum, and that she would die in the catastrophic misfire. The tank fired. The charge detonated. Shira Ito was thrown clear, utterly unharmed. That was where I should have died, she said in wonder And in her mind was the smiling face of her queen.
2: So a lot happened here. Very long card. Uh, Yeah. Kind of the end of
1: an era card. All these sections are.
2: It splits them up into Reefborn and Earthborn. They go into how the Earthborn are helping. Uh, However, you can see Mara's disappointment because she knows how much more help they could have been had only they been a little more patient. Um, but, you know, sure, tries to kind of console her with the fact that, yeah, but, you know, there's still something. When it Uh,
1: says mm -hmm. she says this with bitter pride, so she's proudful that her people are helping, but a little sad because she thinks they probably could have helped more if they waited. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, then we go into her finally becoming queen. (laughs) Finally. Um, and this only taken an
0: entire book and four entries. I like right. that she even regrets,
1: though. She says that, like, I have always wanted power, you know, up till now. I denied it because I thought that we didn't need a leader. And then she regrets it, realizing that if she had maybe just been queen at the very beginning.
2: These earthborn wouldn't up. have gone. They would have listened to her. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because she gets it. It's almost like after having that conversation with Sure, she kind of gets like, oh, all of these people need what I've given to my brother.
1: Yeah, all which it completely explains why Mara is so secretive today. Through As as we we talked about before. Because she feels like
2: it's the best way to rule for her people.
1: We see the change in Mara, and this kind of explains that she, you know, she went from ruling in the shadows to trying to just unite a group and let them rule themselves to realizing she needed to be queen, and that she couldn't be as straightforward. She needed a little bit of a mystery to, you know, to keep them kind of wondering and kind of guessing, and seeing her as that, like, regal figure... um, which I thought was kind of interesting, because she's, she's basically turned in, turning into the queen as we know her. Yeah. Kind I of also a, yeah. find it um,
2: interesting that she's like, I haven't had a rightful coronation, so I'm not going to wear a crown yet. Like she's and very f- all about like order and purpose.
1: Oh well, yeah, my f- thing is, you see, she doesn't wear a crown today, right? And that's because she decides that, I just lost it when I scrolled up, that basically the universe is her crown.
0: Yeah, I, I oh
1: yes. yeah, It
2: says the the that, ring of the like, event oh horizon that surrounds yeah. the observable universe.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's pretty uh, intense.
0: <laughs> I was like, wow. She's
2: kind of a baller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's
1: like, yeah,
2: and maybe no a little universe. into herself.
1: <laughs> a little bit. She is definitely taking that pride. And we see once again. It talks about how these people are kind of even the Earthborn are still linked to her. So we saw that thing about her being able to kind of contact everyone. That even the re- that, that kind of like link is still kind of a thing. You know, we talk later on. Um, we hear about how Aldrin had that link tomorrow, but it was not just Aldrin. It seems that all the Awoken somehow are tied to her. And then also the Techunes are actually finally formed. Yes. As we said, they take that. Basically, they're in charge of. And I love how it says that they need to be mysterious witches to tend to them. Which is funny, because they what is it. Uh, Petra always gets on us for calling them tech witches, even though they're referred to that here. Right.
2: Um, but yeah, and then uh, basically we go on to see this little battle that goes down. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it looks like, once again, Mara's kind of being a little manipulating the situation
1: i wouldn't say definitely i don't know if i would say manipulating (laughs) it's just the fact that she's got a lot of people who are scared to die because they were immortal now they know they can't and she's trying to motivate them to fight
2: you say motivate i say manipulate
1: it's but no, she's this not is literally... motivating
2: them with some like, let's go out together and defeat the Huns. No, no, but she's she, let me look vulnerable. Is. So they feel like they need to protect their queen.
1: No, 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 this is literally the definition of all proper military leaders you hear in history. They don't stand in the back. They go into the front lines and they charge the enemy head first. Okay, that she did, she did it people. in a very
2: vulnerable way that made them feel like our queen needs saving yeah. is what it sounds like.
1: But did you notice? Queens got
2: like,
0: this. sure has armor, but
1: well, she duh, because doesn't. the queen doesn't have this. She was literally trying to get everyone to fight, and it worked because it goes from them realizing not that they needed to protect her, but realizing that their queen, just as vulnerable as them, is fighting. Why can't we? At this point, it says they see the fallen not for these big scary monsters, but for really what they are—just Vulnerable, emaciated, uh, like scared creatures that are desperate to please.
2: I will give you that this is somewhere between motivated and manipulated. I think it might be a combination.
1: We're talking about... We're not... not Motivated
2: through manipulation.
1: But you're thinking of her still as this like queen though. In this specific part, she is also like their general. She has both control of the military and basically... The the government. She is straight up trying to lead this army army into battle.
2: Oh, um, Miss, I'm gonna let you talk.
0: You know, you say tomato, I say potato. It's it's it, it,
2: it's the same but see, different.
0: Like I I still see her being manipulative, but it's for a specific cause. It's it, like she knows how to play people.
1: True, but she, this is not really... I don't see manipulation in that fact that it's... She's not got some, like, ulterior motive. What she's, what she's putting out right there is is what people are getting. She's showing that she is vulnerable and is still willing to fight. Therefore, they can still fight while vulnerable. I would say, when you're talking about... Because manip- manipulating, you can say... I do understand manipulation doesn't always have to be bad. This could be good manipulation. I- exactly. But I would say... This is in the same realm as if I was trying to convince you to diet and eat healthy by me also dieting and eating healthy, you wouldn't say I manipulated you into a healthy lifestyle. You yeah, would I say I no helped motivate you, you. Of
0: course I would.
2: <laughs> so
1: that's just our mentality then. I view people who are trying to help not necessarily as manipulative. No, but I I like
2: the way she's going about it, like why isn't she wearing armor? Why does she only have a blade? Just
1: she's a symbol, I would imagine they don't have enough armor for every single person to wear. And if you see only your general um, and, you know, your, your leading force, you'd say, oh, it's so easy. Of course they can run in and fight. Uh, and then you get dissension when all of the basically, you end up with the same situation. Because what did they see? They saw the poor little dregs being the ones who suffered the brunt while the captains were were safe. So I think this is the mindset that if everyone yeah. in the higher-ups were wearing armor and saying, Hey, you, low-level, poor little people, grab your sticks and come fight. We got armor and lasers. Um, we got this. But you guys grab your pitchforks.
0: No, absolutely. But like, at, at this point, I, I'm just going to have to beg to disagree because... <laughs> That's fine. I, I still see it. I think as you have valid
2: points. Like, yeah, but I'm like, like, I'm, like she's, I'm like teetering between.
0: Like she knows how to play chess with people.:
1: I agree. It, but this is a common thing like, that: No, is, I think um, I would
2: give you this if she didn't have such a history.
1: Exactly. You're once again letting yeah. your, your past judgment. but would that not be a good leader? She's literally walking the wall. Oh, no, absolutely. She's not just talking big game. She is acting in this moment, you know?
2: Right, right. I mean, I will give her kudos for finally being, like, up front and leading and doing you instead of starting a whole war from the mountains.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I will give her that. But I think that's why I'm like,
2: okay, I'm halfway between here. I think it's a combination of both.
1: I I can agree with that. As long as you – I think I just – when you said manipulate, I think you guys are thinking – In my head, I'm hearing you guys talk about the same Mara who is tricking people in the background into doing her deeds. Whereas this, I
2: think she is actually... That's what I'm saying. She's at least being like honorable in the fact that she's doing it up front.
1: Yes. I think she's coming into her place. She is getting more comfortable and realizing that she is a symbol that needs to be there. You know, this goes back to that original thing from Elise Lee. That original
0: conversation.
1: She's trying to finally be that symbol. So that's, I guess, that's also me maybe reading a little too much into you saying manipulated because that sounds <laughs> like you're you are well, like, like taking away some of her credentials because she was willing to go into a battle without armor uh to like motivate her people, you know? Well so, and, and so like uh, I, I, I think, think you we, we're right. I think
0: you read the the word manipulation as something negative, but like I mean it, it like it's positive in this aspect.
1: For sure. I don't think it was positive the way Mrs. Hyvin said it though. That's why I was a little like I think motivated and manipulated can be the same thing, but I think your connotation for those two terms uh varies. Right. And that's the only thing but yeah. Right. No, I, I think we're we're saying the same things. It's just Mrs. Hyvin's original reaction to was kinda like, Whoa, 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 let's give her a little bit of credit. Come on. She's still got her life on the line.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, On a side note, this is the House of Wolves, isn't it?
1: No. Because she attacks the House of Wolves. The House of Wolves are the last faction to be on their way to the battle to take the city. And they go ahead and attack. They systematically wipe out all of the command, along with the House of Wolves killing their own command, fighting to be the new commander. And then she takes over the rest of them. Yeah. That's right. what I was thinking at first, but that happens later. So, But yeah, we don't really know who this is. And it sounds like only one ship got through. And basically, as she said, yeah. it was gone instantly. Um, so it really wasn't a problem. It was just the fact that they were a hassle once they got their drop pods in.
2: Which is more annoying for her than anything else.
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't like their position was compromised to uh, a larger house. They might not have even understood houses at this time but regardless you got a bunch of people getting in and killing her people a freaking spider tank made it on the hall that's pretty serious it's a pretty serious drop yeah and we we'll see that uh sheer is once again a badass and that um this is where she thought she was going to die and somehow as we hear, here when you're around mara things work out for you she instead of getting blown up just flies what does with the that explosion mean? unarmed what
2: does that mean? What does what mean when you're around mara things work out for you well that's Can just she what... manipulate space well, and time
1: that's just what caldawage was saying about mara well
0: okay. she's she's paracausal.
1: exactly like, she's she's a lucky charm she's
0: but beyond causality
2: gotcha, gotcha gotcha gotcha
1: just referencing the last card right. now, i'm not telling you that she actually has some special powers it's just
2: no no, no, no. She's, no she's but just... that that ties those two together a lot because even sure is like, I was supposed to die there. Like, I know I was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what did she yeah. say right there at the end? Yeah, I should have died. And she sees the face of her smiling queen. Almost like, told you you weren't going to die. You know? That's kind of how I envisioned it. Right. Just like, told you. All right.
2: Let's do it to it. We got Telic 1. Mara made one more attempt. And only one. To call her scattered people home. She had hoped the assault would convince them they had a responsibility to the reef, to come home and repair the damage they had caused. It went poorly. However, for though her Tech witches were able to amplify her bond to her people through the augments Kelda had developed, she was only one voice in a maelstrom. Her awoken had sensitive antennae, and the metaphysical sense and could not hear her plea through the clamor. Also, the communications engineer kept forgetting to call Mara majesty, or queen. Good news, Aldrin told her with the grim delight he always showed after a debacle he had survived. Ellen and I went through the fallen communications logs. Their Baron never transmitted our position to his Kel. He wanted the prize to himself. We remained secure. The Baron might have planted a time-delayed beacon, Mara warned him. Never underestimate these beings. They lived in the Void longer than us. I already admire them, Aldrin confessed. They've lost so much. Some of them even ritually dismember themselves, Mara. To prove that they have the strength to grow back the missing limbs. I tell you that even if we are doomed to dwindle and go extinct, Those fallen may outlive us. Mara made a dry note in her log that her brother had at last discovered his true people. For her part, Sherido wandered about in a daze, filled with joy to be alive, and grief that she no longer knew the day when she would die. In you, all things are possible, she told Mara. I live because of you. When Mara saw her string her mighty bow, the limbs coiled behind her leg and around her opposite arm. She was glad beyond telling that Shur had survived. In time, Mara appointed paladins to oversee her new military, as Elise Lee had done during the Theodicy War. She created talented starfarers as corsairs to scour the asteroid belt in utmost secrecy and to establish routes and caches that would support the covert mission, sorry, the covert motion of awoken ships. Most of all, she had charged her brother with the mission that occupied her thoughts. Brother, she said, Never again can I allow my people to be divided. We must offer them more than shielding ice and cold habitat cylinders and the warrens of Vesta. We must make a culture, a thread that binds us all. In pride and wonder at the mystery of ourselves. Nowhere does culture flourish better than in a city. Gather in one place, Aldrin warned her, and you make yourself a target. Mara had considered this and found an answer. Go forth and find me a power unknown to all the other powers of this world. Return it to me and I shall make of it the cornerstone of my new city where the awoken shall dream of all they have been and all that is yet to come. So Aldrin went out voyaging among the worlds, swift as a blue-shift ghost. In time, he returned to the reef with a creature not larger than his hand, saying, Behold, sister, the lie that makes itself true. This is an ahamkara. This card was sassy as hell, you guys.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I love the Ultron part of this. The fact that he just found his true people.
2: Yes. But okay. I want to say real quick before we get into the sassiness of this. I feel like, you know, last book we were talking about how Mara is so different because they basically came back to save humanity. But I feel like the desire to save humanity is what tore her people apart. And she was so done with that. That that's why she kind of switched her focus to the difference between awoken and humanity and how important awoken was to her.
1: That's a good and, point. And that makes sense. You're yeah. saying she was so fighting to save humanity, and it took a long time for her to realize that, like, she they were the they were like a new form of humanity and she needed to focus yeah, on that.
2: Exactly. Which is kind of
1: ironic because that is exactly what Elise Lee preached from the very beginning. But yeah, no, I think that could be a little bit of it. Um, it's just well, her.
0: Now we're seeing Elise Lee 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, we've kind of come a little full circle.
1: Isn't that is very interesting. Yeah,
2: Always coming full circle. It's My weird. favorite
1: thing is just the fact that she was like, you're right, brother. It would be dangerous for us all to group together. Can you just go? Just go find me a power that nobody else knows about that it can protect us, like.
2: Right. right? Like that's what? not unreasonable. That's not just.
1: I got a plan, but it only works if you find me a secret power that nobody else knows about.
2: Okay, like, but also, can we be, Can we acknowledge the fact that he was like, "Yep, sure, got it."
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, he succeeded. That was the crazy part. Oh um, yeah. He brought back uh, a Alhamkara. It's not named yet. Sorry
0: and like so i love how the ahamkara is smaller than his hand
1: it's so cute it's like a little puppy
0: but when we <laughs> actually baby. meet this ahamkara in game it's like huge as hell
1: the baby ahamkara at this point um, this, is, this is really on man
0: but no like i'm i'm still stuck on the oldren bit because that's like that's serious foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> that he admires the uh, fallen. And yeah, right. Those are your
1: people. Yeah, and then we see later on he basically uses the fallen. Right.
0: Like he became
1: But Yeah. Also, yeah, the fact that, you know, um in our in Aldrin's book we see that he basically felt empathy towards Fickrel as he was dying. Um so we see that he has this feeling for these fallen that, you know, kinda led to the events. That that little bit of empathy. But yeah, yeah. that's that is true. There's a lot of foreshadowing, man, a lot of good links. Yep. I like that sure Ida was like, Whew, I don't know when I'm gonna die anymore. Apparently that was when she thought she was gonna die. Right. Somehow she sensed that. And yeah, that was pretty crazy. Um
0: <laughs> Like literally it, it went I foresaw my death. You, being around you. Stopped it. I don't know when I'm going to die. What? Right,
1: exactly? And, uh, yeah. I mean, that kind of covers... Yeah. Oh, did we mentioned that she's basically gave the opportunity to call everyone back. I know we talked about them Yeah. trying to unify her people. But this is that one call we've heard about. I Some may have heard about that they there was a call for her people to return. Um... Clearly they didn't all return cuz we got Awoken still on earth in Zavala yeah ex- but yeah now we have an Ahamkara to deal with so
0: well but then again I, like i think you're like going back to your comment about Zavala i think you're you're it's a little bit of a mix up because for all we know Zavala could have gone back to the reef
2: Yeah, because basically it mentions that they didn't really properly hear her.
1: Yeah, but we've heard in other cards that she gave one call for her people to come back and they didn't all return. I just mean the fact that we still have a division among the Awoken to this day. We have the Earth Cryptarchy, the Reef Cryptarchy, and we have people like Zavala still here. So that's what I mean. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, they couldn't have all gone back or we wouldn't be able to choose Awoken. Oh, it's that's art.
0: exactly right that's very true well you still would but yeah
2: shut up elemis my point was right
1: well that <laughs> would hey now Ele- Elements is just wishing for a, you're just wishing for a time where if you pick a woke and you have a completely different story growing up on the reef and right? having, like, the reef kind of <laughs> instead of the Vanguard. Yeah. how cool would that be we could hope just wait until i can be a fallen guardian mm. mm-hmm.
2: Why don't we oh, move man. on to the next card before you guys start spiraling and whatever yeah. that's going to do.
1: Alright, well, we're on our last yeah, card. Yeah. Let's see how this whole
0: Ahamkara uh, fares. Oh, wow, this is our last one. Uh, Alright. Telic 2. It was Mara alone who established a covenant with that young Ahamkara, which chose the used name Riven in honor of its host. It was Mara alone whose singular will and unity of purpose saved the awoken from that which we now name the Anthem and Theme. For there was in Mara very little division between reality as is and reality as desired. She was confident in her centuries of purpose and patient uh, with the winding way by which the river of methods reaches the objective ocean. Blessed are those who, in their absolute selfhood, become selfless. Unappetizing are those who, in their truest self-knowledge, exclude the possibility of self-deceit. Mara, said Oldrin, queen's brother, Why do you forbid me to speak to the Ahamkara? This secret is mine alone, said Mara Queen. She knew that her brother had only widened the gap between he as was, which is called Nume, and he as he would be, which is named Kost. Be gone to the outer world where I require thee. This was when Sure Ado, having spoken to Keldawaj and to Esela at last came before her queen. Kneeling, she said, Your Majesty, Kildewadj says you are a god, for there is no difference between your desire and reality. Yet, I know that you desire things before they ever become real. Asilla says that you are keeping a secret from your brother that he must never know. I think the secret is thus. You are now a god, because one day you will become a god. And a god is not temporal. Your brother is not a god, because he will never become a god. Shall I worship you? Sure, Mara said, falling to her knees, clutching her beloved's face between her shaking hands. Sure, on the day you worship me, you cannot love me any more, for to worship is to yield all power. And I cannot love what has no power over me. At this, the Ahamkara coiled around her neck, yawned, and showed its fangs. For there was a crevice between what was and what was wanted. I see, sure, Edo said. Then to me, you are not yet a god. Although in time, the knowledge of what Mara would become pushed them apart. It was a kind and happy push as a friend might urge a beloved companion onward to a distant opportunity and their days together were spent gladly.
1: Yeah, so basically we just have Mara moving towards godhood, practically. Her people are revering her so highly and even cheer asks her if she should worship her. Um, And basically, as we see, even though Mara says no because she wants their relationships stay the same, there's still that push of basically sure pushing Mara to attain higher goals all the time, as it kind of brings out.
0: The one thing I want to note is that the writing for this card is very different than what we've previously read in this book.
1: Yeah, it's like Old English, and yeah,
0: the tone is different, for sure, and the speech. And I, I think it's more of like, because... Mara is claiming godhood or, or wants godhood at this point.
1: Like, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. She's I, talking about how basically things that she desire and things that are are like the same thing at yeah. this point, which is getting into anything that she, she wants happens, which once again gets into the paracausal kind of aspects. And I don't know. It makes my mind race towards the whole her relationship with the nine and stuff. That's a whole nother topic. But, yeah, we see yeah. some interesting stuff. And basically her acknowledging that basically her brother's almost the opposite is happening. Um, he's kind of, I'm not sure, I don't know. It, it was Some of the, the wording is definitely a little confusing here. All this reality is, reality is desired. He as was, he as would be. You know, we have, what does it say, at the end? What was and what was wanted. Uh, but, yeah.
0: Actually, I'm wondering if this is told from uh, Riven's point of view. Like, it's not specifically said from Riven's point of view, but like... That could be. That's why there's the... the, You know, she knew that her brother had only widened the gap between he as was and he as he would be.
1: That's true. We have these weird terms, and that sounds like Ahamkara, like how Ahamkara think and talk. Right. 'Cause they are paracausal beings. so a good point. Yeah, and we see she wears a little ahamkar around her neck. <laughs> He's still small. Well she, Riven. Riven's a shapeshifter. I don't even know if you give her a gender. She's referred to as she though most of the time, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, Especially yeah. in the last wish raid. It it's always yeah. referred to as she, her.
1: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we see Basically, just, yeah, I mean, people are revering Mara as practically a god at this point. So we can only imagine how that power might go to her head. That's a little bit also why maybe she's like how she is. Is Hyvin, I mean, you got anything to add?
2: Um, No, I was kind of expecting her to, like, break down and share some, like, real stuff with sure. So I guess I have to wait till next week for that.
0: Yep, yep. The one thing before we wrap up that I want to point out is that so this actually confirms that Mara and Shur are in relationship. Mm-hmm. And...
2: More speculation.
0: Uh, well, and, and at the very end, that last paragraph, they're going to be drawn apart. Um, although in time, the knowledge of what Mara would become pushed them apart. It was a kind and happy push. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, because it, Mara is practically begging. Well, yeah, sure, saying you are turning into something more powerful, and Mara's like, no, please don't. I don't want a relationship to change. And it's basically she says, you know, that you know, okay, fine. At this time, you are not a god, but you know, in sure's mind, she can't be holding her, the you know, loved one back. She has to push her on to her full potential. So yeah, kind of how I envision it.
2: Leave me. You're just too good for me. I say that all <laughs> the time. Like, why are you with me? You're so normal. I'm so weird.
0: That's really But it's fine. Perfect. As I've gotten closer to him,
2: you know, and we got married, I was like, oh we never met. You're weird, too. We're just different kinds of weird.
0: <laughs> There's that moment that you realize, oh, I'm the normal one? Whoa.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> Nobody's normal. Come on now. Dr.
2: Seuss has the best quote about love. I have to I have to share it. This will be my shout out.
0: (laughs) Well, let's go to shout outs then, since we're already there. Yep. So my first shout out is to Lucas. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Woo! So for those who don't know. For those who don't know, um, some English teacher had emailed Ishtar Collective asking if if they were written by a student of theirs named Lucas, because Lucas was turning in all, all kinds of different lore entries as journal entries for his homework.
1: Yeah, saying he was basically the writing these, books, these, these stories. Which is a great way to grab some obscure game knowledge that we love and spread to the world. But
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Right?
1: Oh, yeah. man. That's So, funny. to
2: poke fun, Ishtar Collective changed their Twitter handle to Lucas. I'm not sure if it still changed, but it, it was a couple of days ago.
0: It was last night when I looked.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's um, awesome. So, yeah. My first shout-out is to Lucas.
1: Both the kid and the Twitter handle, right? Right. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Like, if you're going to plagiarize lore, maybe do one that isn't as awesome as Destiny and well-known.
1: No, I say continue it, man. Spread the Destiny knowledge.
2: (laughs) I don't (laughs) think his teacher wants that.
1: He was Um, just expressing his love for the story.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And then my second shout-out is going to be to my co-hosts because we started this at like three PM Eastern on Saturday. Normally we start this at like nine, nine
2: ten. Three thirty. You
0: yeah, know, three thirty in the morning is usually when we end.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so We've got a nice like, little buttoned up uh podcast today, you guys.
0: Right. Like it's it's I'm going to do a little bit of editing tonight. I'm going to do the last bit of it tomorrow. It's it. It's going to be awesome.
2: <laughs> Thanks for babysitting, right? Thank you. <laughs> we normally don't start those until like nine. I was like, oh, snap. I don't even know when I'll be home. We don't want to be starting at midnight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jeez.
1: Yeah. So I want to make my shout out for Mrs. Hyven for... <laughs>
0: Not making his record at midnight. And to yeah. us for being f- free at 3. Right. Oh, I was just sitting around. Uh, like, I finished watching Captain America Winter Soldier, and I-, I was watching Teen Wolf, so I mean...
1: Every time we're trying to record, <laughs> we have to wait for Elimus to finish a Marvel movie. <laughs> last week, hey, you were
0: watching Thor last hey. week. Avengers Endgame comes out the 26th.
1: Yeah, we gotta prepare it
0: literally come god. the 26th i'll be done
1: no they don't just watch that movie every week <laughs> well yeah <you> <laughs>
2: maybe make a podcast about it
1: yes <laughs> oh my god there's already a podcast it's called mcu rewatch shout out for that and it's actually pretty it. good so, so my oh good my molders. god
2: look at that my best friends are nerds <laughs> i didn't even know well, the
1: thing. this is ivan you have your shout out we you didn't know it was a thing. We make a video game podcast about the story of a video game. Right.
2: See, <laughs> that. that was normal.
1: Right. You just figured out we were nerds? I mean, come on.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I knew you were nerds. I'm saying I didn't know that the Marvel podcast was a thing.
0: Oh, hey, and, like, there's, there's several last of them. Week. Yeah, I, I don't mind. think she was on at that point.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I'll give you.
0: It was you right. and I talking while waiting Guys.
2: for her.
1: Okay. All right, Guys. let me hear this shout out. Dr. Seuss in the house.
2: Shout out to Dr. Seuss. This is the best quote of all time in regards to love. I'm I'm sure there are other great quotes. We are all a little weird, and life is a little weird. And when we find someone whose weirdness is compatible with ours, we join up with them and fall in mutual weirdness and call it love.
0: I like that. I haven't found that, though, but I, I like that. (laughs)
2: But I feel like that mutual weirdness is way more obtainable than like the rom-com soulmate things that we grow up with. Mutual weirdness, that can be attained and that can be amazing. And just another reason to love good old Dr. Seuss.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. To Dr. Seuss.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I used to write cards to Hyvin when he would go out of town. On one side it would have a quote, and on one side it would be like my own handwriting. And that's how I found that quote. And that's been my all-time favorite.
1: Indeed. All right. Well, we can watch the love blossom as we continue these cards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note, uh, just as a reminder to everybody, feel free to contact us. You know, on Twitter we're at Guardians underscore Lore. Email we're Guardians underscore Lore at outlook.com. and you can review us as well. Like, Do it, I, please. Yeah,
1: you're the best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, bum bum bum. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye, guys. Oh Eventually my god! Eventually, we'll figure that out. On my computer. I'm Goodbye. out.
2: Yeah, just jumped on you. Mm.
1: Ooh, avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Thanks for that info, Skype. They just gave me a recommendation. Sure.
0: Wait, wait, I'm being recorded? <laughs>
2: Skype doesn't know we're <laughs> in Virginia. You're in Virginia, recorded. only one party needs to know they're being recorded.
1: I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Yeah, it is. Yeah, audio. This is video recording. I think that's different. Oh, maybe. You're just to that. If, if 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 that was the case, I could just we could just put cameras in bathrooms, and as long as somebody knew they were there, yeah. Your you're, your thinking's a little flawed, I think.
2: Well, I was talking about audio, not video. <laughs> Talk about like telephone interface.
1: recording. Skype is covering their bases, man.
2: Stop being such a jerk, you're frozen again.
1: Okay, you don't need my thing. We can start. Either way, uh, how do I do this again? Wait, Oh. <clears throat> I turned
0: you on. Dude, you got turned off.
2: Uh, this should be the group right here.
1: <laughs> Coming back on. Dude, look, I'm still researching, so we can get started. Yes,
2: stop researching. i got to figure break. out this cooler so you I can order the damn You've been researching literally thing. every waking moment of your life for the last Because I haven't had actual
1: weeks. time I need consistent time. I'm always working or doing stuff.
2: No, you researched all night last night.
1: Oh, I didn't. I watch TV. Alright. I'm ready when you guys are. I don't know what's up with my video. It keeps turning on and off. Oh, maybe it'll turn on for real this time.
2: You're a loo hoo 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 hoo
0: Damn it, newbie. Yeah. Anyway. Ra
2: That's my bad. I was trying to get Kona's attention, so I smacked the table, and then Callie <laughs> thought somebody was at the door.
0: <clears throat> no worries.
2: You say that, but Nick's probably over there, like murdering her right now. <laughs> just kidding! He's probably like, why won't you just go lay down?
1: Um, does this card does this start on number two?
0: Yeah. Trust me, I, I spent like half an hour hunting and trying to figure out what the fuck was going on.
1: But that's unsettling. We're starting on Revanche 2. So apparently...
2: Well, why don't you just be we'll unsettled know. and get it done?
1: We'll never know what happens in one. Maybe someday. <laughs> but for now... Whenever you're ready, Mrs. Hyven, we can move on to our next card.
2: And right, I think I got the girlies situated. They're a mess. <laughs> Kona, or Callie wants all the toys for herself, but... Oh, Kona just took a moment. Sorry, I just don't want to start reading if they're going to start barking. I'm trying to figure out if they're actually going to situate Kona. Okay, I just got mad at Tracy Seaford on the same thing. Here, Callie. Okay, I think Callie needs a bath. I think Callie smells bad. Just adds up. Alright, here. Sorry. <clears throat> Yeah, now. All right, they're not barking, but they're still fighting over it, so I think I'm good to read. Sorry.
1: Mrs. Hyvin, are you ready to move on?
2: I need to pee real quick, and then yes.
1: Yeah, I think we take a quick break. You are super distracted by the dogs. I told you you should give me one no, thing no, no, no. to go to bed. No, 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 no. Cuz you have five toys in there.
2: Same uh, damn toy. I know. But they both want this one or this one.
1: It depends which one's in the other's mouth. That's how that works.
2: Like at first, they were fighting between Nothing. these two. So I said, okay, let's get you the same.
0: It's not that they want that uh, specific. <laughs> yeah, they want with the and other then, one. No, 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 they and, want
2: then, the one and then
0: the they will has. sit
2: down and eat their individual toy until Callie drops hers. And now Cohen is interested in that one again.
1: Okay, well, yeah. why don't you get rid of the toys Welcome and have to them laid parenthood. in? Yeah, right. Or give one of them to me.
2: <sighs> I have to pee.
1: Yes. After you do that, of course.
2: Her awoken. Her...
1: Goddamn! I'm telling you, bring one of them to me now. Uh, they can't be together.
0: Doesn't matter which one. It's only one voice, and
2: it's terrifying.
0: All of the oh voices. Oh my god,
2: that was terrible. She scared me.
1: Callie, go lay on
2: the one bed, voice you bitch. And
1: You give me Kona because she didn't come out. Oh,
0: man.
2: I did. And now Callie's sitting there licking the door because she wants Kona.
0: All right. Well, yeah, you separated them. I mean, come on.
2: (laughs) Okay. For her part, sorry. This card is so damn witty. Okay. This is an Amakara.
1: Sorry, Ah, Ahamkara. Gotta have that one right.
2: (sighs) Okay. Behold, sister, the lie that makes itself true. This is an ah (laughs) ahamakara. I don't know Ah aham ahama.
1: Aham. It's like a kara. Yeah, it's like ahamkara.
2: Okay, let me try that again.
1: Ah Ahamkara.
2: This is an ah ahamkara. Kara. Damn it!
1: Sorry, I confused you.
2: This is an aham. Uh-huh. No, now I want to say Kara.
1: Aham Kara. Stay with me.
0: Kara. Uh-huh. Aham Car- Kara. Aham Kara. Aham
2: Kara. Uh-huh. Kara. Shut up. Okay, doing this again.
0: Sure. On the day you worship me, you cannot love me anymore. Uh, who? Whose cursor is that? Could you move it? Is that for or or? Okay. (laughs) Curse you!